listening to the opening bell bonus podcast taking a look at all the action coming up this weekend and it's a busy weekend across the globe as well the rescheduled all women's o2 bill really looking forward to that marshall shields and mayor Baumgartner. Uh, we did preview this previously, the pod that was never aired five weeks ago. Um, here they are, back to do it all again. Uh, you've got Haney against Cambosos 2, um, a rematch uh, down under. And, Matt, you've got the return of Deontay Wilder against Robert Hellenius a few months on. What to expect from Deontay Wilder? You don't sense he's the sort of guy that will ever be gun-shy. You don't sense he's the kind of character who will ever doubt himself. But then when you've been through two torrid fights, one way or another with Tyson Fury, and you've been stopped quite emphatically in the last two of them, you never quite can tell when the threads are going to unravel either physically or mentally with any sports person but particularly with any fighter how are you thinking about the the reappearance perhaps the resurrection of Deontay Wilder and his career I'm pleased that he's back um really pleased that Deontay Wilder's back I think he's a crucial ingredient in a really good heavyweight division um but you say he's a crucial ingredient. It is all down to how much he has left. Now, of course, he's on the he's the wrong side of 35, um, which isn't always necessarily bad news. But the, re, the the two fights that you mentioned there, there was the pummeling he took in the rematch with Tyson Fury, and there was the roller coaster nature of that third fight with Tyson Fury, one of the best contests that we've seen in recent years. Physically, I don't doubt he feels great. Mentally, we wonder. Um, and we wonder what's been taken out of him as a consequence of that. And it would appear on the surface that Robert Hellanius might be kind of the perfect foil for him to look good. Hellanius is beatable. Um, he's well regarded enough for it to be uh, a victory that would be respected it would be a very effective launch pad for Deontay Wilder to then get one of the big guys in his, his next fight um, but you also wonder um, about this fight and a really interesting kind of subplot in this we spoke to Robert Hellanius in this week's boxing news and he talks about the fact that he has sampled that right hand before so many opponents that go into a fight with Deontay Wilder. It's an absolutely shocking discovery when they feel it for the first time. But Hellenius has been used as a sparring partner um, for by Deontay Wilder, most recently in the build-up to that third fight with uh, Tyson Fury. Um, and he says, yep, I've sampled it. I have no intention of sampling it again, but if I do, I'm going to be okay. Um, and Hellenius seems up for this in a way that he hasn't been for a while. He's got a bit of wind in his sails, hasn't he? Let's not forget that while Deontay Wilder was seeing his, in, his, his unbeaten record collapse against Tyson Fury, seeing his reputation as the hardest hitter in history being seriously questioned in those two fights, Robert Hellenius has had two victories, the first one an upset, against Adam Kanaki. And okay, Adam Kanaki is no Deontay Wilder. 
But just the way that he'll be approaching this fight will be perhaps different to the way that he approached fights against people like Gerald Washington, for example, in the past, or Dillian White. He will feel now that he has at last got this um, opportunity to fulfil what many of us thought was great potential in the early days. I remember when Robert Hellenius came along and he was beating people. Was it Samuel Peter he beat in kind of shocking fashion back when Peter was still deemed a bit of a threat? Um, and there was a feeling that... And it was Serhai Lyakovic as well that he beat, wasn't there? And you sense that Hellenius could be the real deal. Then I was out in Helsinki for that fight with Derek Chisora when everybody thought that Hel- Hellenius was going to win that and then go on to fight for a world title in his next fight. Now, he did. If you look at the record books, he did win it. But for me, at ringside, I thought that was a terrible decision. I thought Chisora controlled most of it. thought he deserved to win. Um, and out in Helsinki at that point, I mean, that fight, when I was out there and I was looking at all the local newspapers, that was all over the newspapers, the fact that, that Hellenius was fighting Derek Chisora. Just the, he's very much a national hero over there. Um, so you think that Hellenius is going to be absolutely bang up for this one. I think any suggestion that he's an old pal with Deontay Wilder, they're old sparring partners, he might just come here and roll over. Get rid of that. I think Hellenius will be going for this one and going for it big time. Um, and the question really is, how much does Deontay Wilder have left? Because if you compare Hellenius to a lot of the fighters Wilder was beating pre before he was meeting meeting Tyson Fury and he had a trouble with some of them I think he's on a par with those so I think it's a really good first fight back for Deontay Wilder he could have come in easier I'm not saying he's got picked out the hardest possible opponent but he could could have come in easier than Robert Hellenius so I suppose I suppose the big questions are how would you have viewed this fight before Wilder's defeats to Tyson Fury and is it is it any different viewing it now on the back of those? Um, well, yeah, of course it is. I mean, it, I think if it had been if he'd have fought Hellenius before he fought Tyson Fury, you'd probably be a bit disappointed he was fighting someone like Robert Hellenius. I suppose if the question is, do you give Hellenius more or less of a chance than you would have done back then? Then I think it's it's probably it's probably about the same. I think if we're going to be really honest on this. Hellenius has a puncher's chance unless Deontay Wilder is mentally ruined from those two fights with Tyson Fury. And he's already shown us that I personally was writing Deontay Wilder off mentally going into that third fight with Tyson Fury. I thought that after he had taken the beating that he took in that rematch, that the best of Deontay Wilder had long gone. But the manner in which Deontay Wilder performed in that third fight suggests that he's mentally strong. The only question marks, therefore, that I have really going into this is physically, how is he going to be holding up? Is there going to be any wear and tear? Um, and if he is, is he, Hellenius certainly has the power to hurt him. Um, but I've, as much as I've been impressed by Hellenius early in his career, I've seen him in some absolute stinkers against uh, uh, Dillian White, for example, was just mind-numbing in the extreme. And Hellenius's failure to change his approach in that fight was striking at the time. Go back and read my report. Dillian White was essentially doing exactly the same round after round. 
going in the same direction, approaching from the same way, yet Hellenius made no effort or could not do anything to stop that. And if I'm going to be honest, Dillian White didn't exactly look like Muhammad Ali that night. But at this stage of Hellenius's career, I make him a live underdog. Do I give him a chance? Not really. Would I have given him a chance a couple of years ago? Not really. So mostly, it's eight, eight to one on, by the way, Wilder to win this fight. Eight to one on uh, to win it. Uh, he is a short price favourite. Uh, he usually wins by knockout. He's always prepared to bide his time. We saw that against Ortiz. Doesn't matter if he's been outboxed. Doesn't matter if he's losing rounds. Doesn't matter if the clock's running down. Eventually, he tends to get you. And he did get Tyson Fury in a lot of bother in in the first and third fights particularly. And probably, although spectacularly in the first fight, probably in some ways more hurt in the third fight, uh, Tyson Fury. Uh, so we know that he can do that, Wilder. You, you suspect he'll, he'll find a way, he'll find the time, he'll find at least the moment? I think one of the, one of the most interesting things about that third fight uh, with Tyson Fury from De Deontay Wilder's point of view was the fact that he looked so much better than he had done in the second fight and even for large sections of the first fight. Now, you have to give Deontay Wilder the credit for that. I think you also have to give his trainer, Malik Scott, a bit of the credit for that. And I remember, I think you and I spoke about it in the podcast afterwards, that there was a feeling that we may not see Deontay Wilder again after that. He was He'd made himself a very, very rich man. He There were suggestions that he'd rather now not box again, that he would rather spend time with his family, who he clearly adores. Um, but we were also keen to explore the possibility that if that's what his relationship with Malik Scott can do after one fight, what happens if they can put together a run of a few fights together? Um, will we... Will, is, is the scope for Deontay Wilder, even in his mid-30s, to improve? Um, and you can make the argument that there is. There is the scope for Deontay Wilder to improve. Um, so, yeah, I, I think that you, we will see a um, better Deontay Wilder than we saw when he was fighting... Um, when he first won the WBC Championship, for example, and in some of those early defences, which were a little bit rickety, shall we say, where he was having trouble and taking his time and everything else. Um, so I think that we will, I'm prepared to give Wilder the benefit of the doubt, and I think we will see an improved Deontay Wilder from that particular stage of his career. And I think someone like Robert Hellanius could make him look very good indeed. Um, so I think we might be a little bit excited about the prospect of bronze bomber mark two this time next week so yeah i i suspect that wilder will win win inside the distance and i think he may do it around the halfway mark let's not forget that adam kanaki who was a not revered prospect but he was a hyped prospect he'd beaten some half decent people on the way up and he was expected to beat robert helanius that's why robert helanius was brought in um but kanaki gave Hellenia some really hairy moments, particularly in that first fight. Um, so you would think that um, Wilder could do the same here. Uh, I think the dimensions of Wilder as well will be a problem for Hellenius. And I know they're kind of comparable, 
and Hellenius is one of the few heavyweights that can match Wilder for size and wingspan, etc., etc. But for that reason, Hellenius could struggle because he's not very often he's been in the ring with someone the same size as him. Uh, I just think Wilder, Wilder's power um, will ultimately prove the difference, but I think he will look good in the process. I don't think, for example, it's going to be a fight like the second Luis Ortiz fight where Wilder was outboxed for six or seven rounds and then all of a sudden just landed one shot and it's game over. I don't think it will be like that. I think Wilder will look like the boss pretty early on. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see um, whether there's any further improvements or just the continued development um, that we saw previously under Malik Scott. Really good point that, Matt. That's what uh, adds another layer to it, as well as just the lingering question, rather than doubt, lingering question about where Wilder's at mentally and physically. How much does he have left? Is he as good as he was? Those are all fair questions to ask. I think we're going to get a, a sense of that. Could he even improve? Is another question. We'll see and discuss that next week. Are we going to learn anything from Haney Cambosis, given what we we saw first time around? You can never be dogmatic in sport, and particularly boxing. You can never say, just because this happened before, it will happen again. But um, Cambosis is going to have to t- turn himself inside out. Cambosis really surprised us. He surprised us all when he beat Teofimo Lopez. So the concept of him scoring a gargantuan upset, we shouldn't completely dismiss. Sorry, the prospect of, we shouldn't completely dismiss. Um, But if you look at that fight, you look at every minute almost of every round, Cambosis really struggled with Devin Haney. Um, It's a rematch that only Cambosis was screaming for. Fans wouldn't be wanting to see that again. Um, But you're right to say that we shouldn't just write Cambosis off as a consequence. Um, We don't know if there was anything, if there are any reasons for Cambosis for being off form. Often boxers will lose and we just presume it's a bad performance. And there can be all sorts of things going on that we never, ever know about. Be it things that go on in their personal life, be it injuries, um, be it psychological strain for whatever reason. Um, So we don't know. Maybe Cambosis was genuinely off colour the first time round. And maybe the second time, without the pressure, nobody really expecting him to do anything. Uh, He might thrive. I say all that. I would be very surprised. For me, this would be if he if he turns this around in the second fight against Devin Haney, it would be a much bigger shock than when he beat Teofimo Lopez. Devin Haney doesn't strike me as the kind of athlete to go into this and take it lightly. Given what could potentially be awaiting him afterwards and the big fights that could be awaiting him if he gets through this one, Devin Haney won't be taking this lightly. And the smart money, all of the smart money has to be on, I think, a repeat of the first fight and another lopsided points win for Devin Haney. Of course, Shakur Stevenson, now another one of those waiting prospect big fights, or potential big fights at lightweight. Let's turn our attention to the O2. 
on Saturday on Sky, and that is the rescheduled, uh, postponed fights between Marshall and Shields and Mayer and Baumgardner. We were so excited, Matt, and really looking forward to it. And it's such a shame that the events of the last week, I think, really have overshadowed what should be a momentous historic night for boxing and for the women's side of boxing. And you know, and you'll remember how we were feeling about this five weeks ago. And and I suspect, and I think fans were getting into it as well. And I, I think they still can. I hope they still will. But maybe just the capacity to do so is, has just been slightly overshadowed and diminished by what's happened in the last week, which is a real shame if that's the case. We record this on Wednesday, so we haven't seen fight week start to ramp up. Um, my concern looking at the interest in this fight in terms of who's looking at it on the website, who's looking at any social media posts in regard is far less than we're looking at it back then. However, um, yeah, we are yet to see what they're going to do in the days leading up to the fight. And we may get to Saturday and it may be the event that it should have been five weeks ago. Um, it's impossible not to feel a little bit of sympathy for everybody involved at this early stage, namely all of the fighters on the card who had, and let's not, let's not underestimate how difficult it would have been to go back for Clarissa Shields, probably go back to America um, and five weeks is a really odd period of time to kind of stay on the ball. They would have been in peak physical condition. Yet they have to somehow in five weeks not overtrain, not do too much, not risk an injury, stay on weight, stay focused when everything was building to that one moment five weeks ago. Now, there was a temptation when we were talking about doing this podcast, just to say, well, let's rerun the podcast that we that we did, that we, that we recorded. Let, let's get that out there, the one that we recorded when we were full of beans and full of enthusiasm and full of excitement for it. Um, but I do think that in, in at least one of the fights, one of the, one of the top two fights on this card, that the loser may come out, and it might be deemed an excuse, but with a very legitimate reason that for whatever whatever reason in these five weeks they struggled they struggled to be to get themselves back to where they were before um you feel sorry for the promoter ben shalom as well um who when the board turned around and said that as a consequence of the queen's passing um the fights are not going to go ahead he didn't shout and scream and try and get it over the line because he would have had a legal case to make as well because nobody was being told that they had to the government, the, the rules there were that sporting events can go ahead. We just advise that there is a tribute. But Ben Shalom didn't go out and start ranting and raving and trying to bend the rules so that his show could go ahead. And at the time, I remember thinking, well, it might work in his favour because it would have been overshadowed by the death of the Queen, had it gone ahead that weekend, I believe. Um, it wouldn't have got much coverage in the media, in newspapers at all. Um, and the feeling was, was that, well, if in five weeks' time, 
they can come out all singing and dancing. But now, of course, they come out on the back of the Conor Ben scandal. And you do wonder if newspaper editors, if TV bosses are just a little bit drained from the events of last week to really want to be sing, singing and song, singing and dancing about this particular card. Um, but in terms of just the action, if we just break them down, these fights are still exactly as appealing as they were five weeks ago. Nothing has changed. This shields Marshall fight is one of the best fights that can be made in boxing full stop. It's fascinating. The backstory with Marshall beating her as an amateur, the only boxer to beat her, in professional or amateur boxing. That's Savannah Marshall. Both of these coming into this fight after 15, 20 years in the sport. Um, and it is still as hard to call now, I believe, as it was back then. Um, so who do you pick? Who do you pick when you've got Clarissa Shields, who has achieved more in both amateur boxing and she's achieved more in professional boxing than Savannah Marshall. She has operated at a higher level. She has fought the better opposition, again, at professional and amateur level. Shields has all of the, the gold medals. And although Marshall was an exceptional amateur, when you look at everything, despite the fact that Marshall beat Shields, deservedly as an amateur, you're still kind of thinking that Clarissa Shields has kind of been there and done it at world level, at elite level, is more conditioned at elite level and, and world level than Savannah Marshall is. The, then you go back and you think, well, will there be any kind of mental problem from Clarissa Shields' point of view? Because she knows that the woman she's about to get in the ring with is the only person that's ever had the beating of her in a boxing ring. So I went back, and this is when I was originally previewing the fight a few weeks ago, and there's a really interesting piece, a really interesting quote from Savannah Marshall when she told Boxing News after beating Shields, when we watched the video of Shields fighting, she was really fast and strong. If you stay there, she's going to catch you. She's going to get you, unload on you with combinations. As soon as you've punched, move. And that's what I did. She kept falling short all the time and couldn't even catch me. I'm not saying it was an easy fight, but it wasn't the hardest fight of my life. There's bits and bobs in there that still ring true now in terms of how she has to approach this fight. But Shields has come on so much from their fight in 2012 to now that I personally wouldn't be using that amateur fight as evidence that Marshall has a greater chance of beating Shields. Um, I always felt from the moment this fight was announced that Shields might just be a bit too clever and know a bit too much. And that is still without knowing what both of them have been through in the last five weeks, that is still my point of view now. Yeah, I think, I think Marshall was the more experienced of the two at the time, although Shields was being touted as the next best thing among the, the uh, American female amateurs. Marshall had had 
twice more than twice as many fights as, as Shields at that time. It is worth just putting that out there as context. And we know how much Shields improved after that defeat. In fact, never lost subsequently, including world championships and two Olympic Games along the way as well. It's a fascinating matchup, Matt. And what the way I've, I'm not going to change my view on this fight. The other one, potentially. But this fight... I'm sticking to, to how I viewed it before, and that is can perfectly see the possibility that Marshall, this is her this is her party. This is the night when she really shows what she's all about. I I've said before on this pod that I think I think she might be the female Tyson Fury. She's she's even better than she's looked so far, and she's looked pretty good. She does things slightly unusual, the way she moves. Uh, she's got freakish power. I, I, I think she's a very, very unusual fighter, Marshall. And I'm, I wouldn't be surprised if she's a special one. But Shields has done more, even although Marshall has, has beaten some of the same f- opponents more impressively. Shields, on balance, has done more has a very, 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 very acute tactical brain. Very, very skillful, very technical. And although she's going to have to get close and close the distance on Marshall to win this fight, I think she's got the brain, the nous, the tactics and the mental approach to, to do exactly that. So I also always felt that Shields was just the call with the caveat that potentially Marshall really could look something quite special and this is the night that we really get proof of it yeah I mean it could be the male equivalent of Joe Calzaghe versus Jeff Lacey but I think Clarissa Shields has got more about her than Jeff Lacey had um, I think that's probably an unfair comparison, unfair on Clarissa Shields, but let's not forget how highly we were regarding Jeff Lacey going into that particular fight. Few people were picking Kalzaghi to win it. The obvious thing with Savannah Marshall, if you're picking Savannah Marshall, is the fact that she, the, the manner in which she does destroy opponents, which is quite rare in the female code, um, and she's looked dangerous throughout her career. Um, there's the dimensions of Savannah Marshall as well. And Clarissa Shields hasn't fought anybody with as big a reach or who is as tall, but she's fought someone who was very nearly as tall, I think half an inch shorter, and that was Christina Hammer. Um, When Hammer presented one or two problems in the early going and Shields quickly worked them out to largely dominate the fight. Really impressive. Christina Hammer is an exceptional fighter. Um... Yeah, Shields dominated. And that, people forget, was supposed to be a bit of a coming out party for women's boxing. The fight was so one-sided in the end that it wasn't. Shields dominated that fight. And I wonder if Shields is going to do a similar thing against Savannah Marshall here. I think Savannah Marshall is probably too good to allow that to happen. I don't think we're going to see a 100-90 to type fight, for example. Um... Marshall has got to be on point in every round. And I don't, and I said this last time, I don't subscribe to the notion that it's either Shields on points or Marshall by KO. Um, 
I think if Marshall wins, she does it by boxing really tidily, really cleverly, getting Shields' respect early on. Uh, and I think if if you if, if I was to pick Marshall, I would be picking her on points. But my pick will be Shields to win on points herself. Yeah, me too. I think Shields is just too quick. But uh, Peter Fury, with so much confidence, and what a job he's done with Savannah Marshall. Uh, I think instilling self-confidence in her, really short on that early on in her career um, as an amateur, but but not so anymore, brimming with it. I think Shields just too quick. Shields point, points my call too, but won't be surprised at all if it goes the other way. I'm moving on to the next fight. I'm really looking forward to Matt, finally. Michaela Mayer against Alicia Baumgartner. So not only is it a, a fantastic fight, but you've got the clash of personalities thrown into the mix as well. They were going at it wonderfully in the build-up to this five weeks ago. And I suspect it's going to be the same in the days leading up to this as well. And much of the talk, I think, in this one particularly will be how both these fighters have dealt with the break. I think Baumgartner, because she's still relatively young and inexperienced, and... Mayor because of the weight, which is a significant issue. And that was something that we did talk about in the the unheard uh, pod. But what I did five weeks ago was go down and speak to both fighters. Now, I, I, I was toying with the idea of doing it again. The reason I didn't is I just thought it would end up being focused solely or more on what's been happening in between. And just potentially that will stray us away from what's most important when we're discussing this fight. So we decided we'll play out those interviews anyway because a lot of what was said, most much of what was said five weeks ago, I think is still relevant. So let's dip into those, first of all, with Michaela Mayer. How would you compare mindset, how you're feeling this fight week compared to some of the others you've been through? Um... Not not too different. Obviously, this fight is a lot bigger, right? There's a lot more on the line now. I'm going, I'm going for the WBC belt, trying to add that to my collection. One step closer to undisputed. There's a lot of hype around this fight. There's been a huge buildup, mainly because of the rivalry that me and Baumgartner have. Um, so definitely, a, it's a it's a bigger scale for sure. This fight is on a bigger scale, but I feel like I've had all the experience I need going into a fight like this. Um, physically in the ring, but like mentally and just when it comes to media and handling everything outside of the ring. So I feel fully prepared. Um, not, I don't, I don't over like overthink it or stress too much about it. I put the trust in my training camp and know that I did the work and I just got to go in there and perform. And how much of that sort of preparation and and feeling comfortable in your environment, how much of that was from the amateurs? How much of that have you been aware of as you've gone through these sort of 15, 16, 17 fights? Um, well, I definitely think that my amateur pedigree plays a huge role into my success. I mean, I think where women's boxing is now, it's pretty much impossible to compete with at this level with these women at this level if you don't have that amateur pedigree. So um, that's taught me a lot. But things change when I turn pro. You know, you basically go from being under USA Boxing and everything that they have for you it's everything sort of taken care of and then you have to you turn pro and you've got to find your own team and you got to structureize your own training camps and everything so um but I feel like I've done a really good job at that I've surrounded myself with a great team the mm -hmm. best team amazing everyone no one causes any problems in my in my camps 
Um, no one has any ego, and we have a system that works really well. And we've had 17 times to, to go over that, perfect it, and practice it. So, um, yeah. Was there any one point along the journey so far as a pro where you thought you were aware you, you'd become more comfortable with everything? Um, it all clicked into place. Maybe not one specific moment, but uh, not one specific moment. You want to know why? Because coach, the one consistent thing that I've had is Coach Al. And he's so old, old school and such a perfectionist that he doesn't change things up. Like we may have like minor, okay, we're going to change this, change that. But there's been a few times where like Coach Gay was like, hey, let's do a couple of weeks of our training camp in Vegas this time. Coach, I was like, nope, we're not switching anything up. We're not going to break what isn't, we're not going to try and fix what isn't broken. And so as we've perfected everything, we've obviously perfected everything as these big fights to get bigger and bigger and bigger. But I don't know. He's always just kind of kept me grounded and kept things like th the same. I suppose that in a way, and boxing can be repetitive. Boxing training can be repetitive. How do you, how do you remain energized and enthusiastic throughout all of that? Um, you got to break. Uh, Coach Al is very, very adamant about breaking me after my fights and letting me rest. And he's not worried about me physically. He's like, go, go to the gym a couple times a week. Do get your runs in, do your lifts. Like, but you know, a couple times out of the week. Like, you don't need to be going to the gym every day, twice a day, in between camps. You just don't have to. He doesn't, he's not worried about me physically. He's worried about me mentally. He, he's seen fighters, you know, he's a three-time Olympic coach. He has 13 world champions that he's raised from kids. And so he's, he knows what it's like to peak an athlete, and he's seen athletes get burnt out. Mm -hmm. And he doesn't want that for me. So um, he forces me to rest. Sometimes I feel like I'm taking too much time. He's like, don't worry about it. We're going to get into camp and we're going to go hard and we're going to peak you like we always do. That's interesting. So what, in a sense, balance is what he's preaching. Balance. Yes. I feel like I live one of the most balanced lives, like balanced life as an athlete. Like I really, really do. So paint a picture of that. What, what are your outside interests? What are your, what are your grounding things that you, you do or use? Well, this stage of my life is a little bit different. Like in between camps now, I'm, I'm still doing media. I'm commentating now. I'm coming out here to the UK. I'm doing commentary for Sky Sports. I'm doing commentary for uh, ESPN in the United States. So it's kind of like a break for me physically. I'm still able to be around boxing and, and critique it and study it, but I'm sort of on the other side of the rope. So I find that, I find that good and educational for me, but also kind of a break and something different. I'm also renovating my house right now. I'm super into like um, doing that and redesigning my kitchen and my bathroom and all stuff like that. I live in the mountains. I love doing nature stuff, taking my dogs out um, and just living like a peaceful life, going to visit friends and family and doing fun things and concerts and stuff in between fights. And that way I know that like, because I know once I get in a training camp, everything is zoned in and focused, but um, you got to have balance. You got to enjoy other things in life because that's what's going to make you hungry to get back in the ring, right? Uh, I think Katie Taylor said that she took three days off after her Serrano fight. I'm like, why? Yeah. Like, why? <laughs> well, and interestingly, because watching that fight, that fight was nuts Yeah. as a fight. I mean, actually, Boxing News the week after had the headline fight of the century as a nod mm -hmm. to a Ali against Fraser in the garden as well. It, it was a nuts fight. You, you had a fight that was a bit like that against Amadouche, and... Why did you fight like that? It was great to watch, but why on earth did you fight like that? I felt comfortable. 
fighting like that. Listen, Hamadouche is a uh, really great pressure fighter, right? Like, to say the least. Okay, she's a great pressure fighter. And she stopped most of her opponents because what do they do? They tried to get on their bike. They tried to move. They tried to keep her on the outside. And we knew, although we can box on the, box on the outside, there was going to be a time when we were going to go up against an opponent who was going to be able to close that space. And we knew Hamadouche was one of those fighters. And so Coach Al couldn't just rely on me boxing and moving. He's like, I need to make you a complete fighter. I have to teach you how to fight on the inside because when she gets in there, you got to fight her back. you got to dig to the body and you got to fight her back and you got to make her afraid to sit in there with you. So that's what we did. And although I didn't expect to sit in there that much, I felt comfortable in there because we trained so hard. I felt comfortable in there. And honestly, I was relaxed. And if I would have been pulling out and trying to move, I would have been caught in the end of her punches, circling up against the ropes in a position you don't want to be, not in the center of the ring. And I just feel like it would have been an ugly, sloppy fight. So I decided to sit there and bang it out with her. And it's good. And I mentally know that I can do that. Now the world knows that I can do that. I'm a very versatile fighter, and I can fight in all areas of that ring, and that just makes me a triple threat. Did you enjoy it? Yeah. Could you? <laughs> yeah, that was fun. Honestly, I like I like banging it out on the inside. Um, it's fun for me. Obviously, it's not the everyone's like, oh, well, don't fight Alicia that way. Well, obviously, I'm not going to fight anyone the way I fought Hamadouche. Hamadouche is a very particular style and particular type of fighter. But if we do have to go into deep waters, I know I can. I've been there for 10 rounds, right? So I know I can do that. And that's that's good thing to know about myself. She hasn't had to. In fact, she's only done one 10-round last time out. Really? Um, I didn't even know that. Yeah. Do you, I asked her that question. Did she think she has it? in her to to do what you did against Hamadouche. Do you, do you think she has? Um, no. I think Hamadouche would have destroyed Baumgartner. Baumgartner likes to be comfortable and sit on the outside. The one time she was pressed was when she fought Leonardo too. Um, Christina Leonardo too. And she doesn't like getting hit. She do, she crumbles when she gets hit. She falls all over the place. Um, you know, she her her style is slick from the outside and, and being a counterpuncher in her safe zone. So I don't think she has what it takes. To do that and I and I know that our fight is gonna get to that I know where there's gonna be moments where she's gonna I'm gonna take it to her and so we'll see but I I haven't seen her do it she hasn't she hasn't had to but she's gonna have to on Saturday the rivalry between you has been quite bristling from the outside looking in mm -hmm. um, how much of that is real because it seems like it is from her side. Do you feel it too? To yeah. Describe that to me. No, this is this is not fake. I think that everything that we've said to each other, we genuinely mean. Um, I can tell you my more so me than her because everything that I've said is just, I'm just stating facts, right? Mm -hmm. I called her out because she was a champion. That's what champions do, right? Like mm -hmm. being the champion and the challenger that I am, I wanted to fight and, and unify these belts so I called her out and she didn't like that she took it personal um started low blows and digs you know she talks about things that are completely irrelevant the way I look my team you know um my body type and just dumb things like I've never ever ever once and nor will I ever about any of my opponents even do those type of low blows it's just not my style I'm talking about facts here I'm talking about fighting I'm talking about what you've accomplished I'm talking about your styles right so yeah, you know, it is what it is. She talks a lot, but we'll see if she can back it up. I sense with her, a bit like Connor Ben, who I spoke to a few weeks ago, mm -hmm. Connor admitted to me that he he needs, perhaps because of his background, he's, you know, he's not, he wasn't a born fighter, even though he 
fights like one and he's bred to be one but he finds motivation from somewhere it might be a word someone said it might have been a comment it doesn't matter he'll latch onto it and he'll use it and that's what motivates him and i think there's a little bit of of that in her the she's talked about silver platter privilege i think was one of the words she used regarding you do you think that's that's unfair of her to latch onto any of that well i would like to know exactly what she means by that because i keep telling i keep hearing her say that too i think she means Olympian, well, she's joining the dots. I think she thinks Olympian, top, top rank, uh, contract, so away I you fought, go. I fought my way. I'm in a great position. Don't get me wrong. I'm in an amazing position. I have an awesome promoter. I'm fighting on ESPN. Um, I'm, I'm getting big fights and a lot of exposure, but I fought my way there. I didn't walk into a boxing gym until I was 17 years old. This girl started when she was eight. Like, get into these tournaments. I would bust my ass, wager scene, stacking up my money to get to these tournaments. All three or four of us girls would be crammed into these rooms at nationals. Like, we all hustled. None of us had a silver platter on our way up to this, to this sport. Now, I knew that I wanted to make an Olympic team. I stuck it out. And I was in two Olympic trials. I lost the first one. I crawled my way back, won the second one. She wasn't at either one of those. I've never seen her on a national team. She's never made it to the top as an amateur. And so she's just mad. She's just jealous that I had half the time and accomplished double what she has in half the time, literally. And she wants to call it um, privilege or whatever. Like she's just overlooking overlooking everything that I've worked for. And she's mad that she was sitting around bullshitting. I don't know what she was doing in her little town, Ohio, Detroit, wherever she's from, sitting around bullshitting while I was hustling, working and busting my ass to get to these tournaments and make it on this national team. I don't know what she was doing, but it wasn't, she didn't have the grind that I did. And so she's just mad that I, that I made it and she didn't until now. And you talked about the work that you've been able to do to give you a bit of balance, you know, doing the TV work, you were over for the, the Fury fight at, at, at Wembley. You'll have seen the British fight night atmospheres from watching on the telly b before. How did what you'd seen on TV, what you'd heard, compared to what you actually got to experience pretty close up, albeit in a, a pretty unusual, spectacular setting? Yeah, I think that it's like even hard to compare because my first experience here was at a Tyson Fury fight. And I kind of waited a while to get to my seat, and that's probably the biggest mistake. I'll never do that again because I was stuck in a mosh pit. I almost did not make it to the ring. Um, those fans were insane. Like, I have a video of me just squished between people trying to make it, and I was like, no, I'm not missing this fight, and I just hustled my way to the front. But uh, they went crazy. They're, they're, they're so energetic here and hype and... Um, I think the word I'm looking for is like maybe a little bit more free spirited and I can like totally relate to that because I just I mean I feel like I'm a free spirit I come from a little hippie family we're just super laid back and um don't take everything so seriously and I feel like maybe Americans can be a little too serious sometimes and I just don't get that vibe over here with the with the Brit fans and did do, do you think the fact that you had a little sample of that kind of atmosphere do you think you needed that perhaps ahead of Saturday night, given there's going to be a big crowd, hopefully knocking on for 19,000? Did it, did it help you, in other words? Um, maybe not that. You know what really kind of inspired me and pumped me up was being uh, at the Taylor Serrano fight and witnessing that type of energy and just being like, wow, this is so amazing that these two women were able to bring this type of crowd together. And, yeah, it makes me excited for for doing the same or attempting to do the same. I know that was like on a grand scale and man, they sold out the 
the garden that's amazing but i really feel like this is going to be a huge atmosphere too and so i'm excited to experience it yeah I mean, you never, as a fighter, as a sports person, want to look too far ahead. Mm -hmm. But I want to do that in a couple of ways. One, one, Amanda Serrano, and she's emblematic of what's going on a lot in women's boxing, or more, and increasingly in women's boxing, and that is transitioning between weights to make the big fights. Serrano's extraordinary over here, Natasha Jonas and now Terry Harper are going to do the, the same. You've definitely got the length and physique to be going up in weight. There's no yeah. doubt about that. Does that does that appeal to you? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I keep. Why do you think I pushed so hard to get this fight done this year? You know, Baumgartner wanted to wait. Oh, you need to wait. I'm the champ now. I'm going to enjoy my time. And if you want to fight me, you need to come over to Matchroom. Well, yeah, right. Okay, come on. So we got this fight done in six months after that she became champion. And there's a reason for that. I want to move on to other challenges. Like, I've been at 130 for my entire career. Like, and I know there's other people that I want to take on. I've almost cleared out this division. Obviously, I want to go undisputed, and I'm going to work to get that done again ASAP by the end of the year um, or early January. And then, yeah, I want to move up to 135 and challenge myself against the likes of Katie Taylor and then 140 and then 147. Um, I did the hard work by collecting the belts at 130. You know, looking ahead, like, let's say I've collected all the belts at 130. Um, the belts at 35 are collected. The belts at 40 are collected. 47, they're collected, or they're going to be collected at 40 soon. But I feel like, I, for me, it could be big fights only from here on out. I can, like you said, I have the body type to go up to these divisions. The talent is there. The big fights are there. The names are there. I just want to go tackle them all and challenge myself to the most possible, in the most ways that I possibly can before I hang the gloves up. And the good news, it seems like all the, the women fighters, the better, the elite women fighters want to make those fights because the depth isn't quite yeah. there yet. They almost have to. So you could be in, whether you're having one or two fights a, a year, busier the better for, for us boxing fans, but you could be in a couple of big fights mm -hmm. for the next three years. Is time on your side? Three years, I got a three year contract. I just extended my contract with Todd Frank for three years. I'll be 35 and I'll be done. So my goals are big fights only. Let's go, let's get these done. I don't, I don't, I'm not trying to do two-year buildups. I don't think boxing needs that. Let's fight. The fans want to see it. I think to keep boxing, boxing's like, I mean, we're on a roll right now, right? Let's keep it going. And the only way to do that is to let these rivalries build up for a reasonable amount of time, not an extended amount of time, and fight. So what's your roadmap look like? Who, who's, who's on the, 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 the mayor hit list? World, in a perfect world, Baumgartner, Choi, for undisputed, Katie Taylor. Okay, let's go there. Three. So Baumgartner, Choi, Katie Taylor. Those are my, ideally in that order. Boom, boom, boom. So ideally, by the end of 2023, I'll be undisputed at 1:30 130 and 135. Sounds great. Yeah. Right? Would you guys like to see it? I mean, I'm pretty sure if the fans want. I feel like I've built up. I'm not talking insane. I've waited to say these words. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, but we're getting to that point where, like, I'm right on the pound, pound list, right under uh, Katie Serrano and, and Clarissa. Like, I'm up there. I feel like Katie Taylor's a champion. She wants to challenge herself against the best, too. And I feel like we make sense. And so just taking that one step further beyond you and this clutch of really talented elite women fighters that are around right now, and four of them are on the bill coming up at the weekend. In another 10, 20 years' time, how does... The woman side of boxing. How do you envisage that, Luke's? Oh, my gosh. Um, 
well, this era has done so much. I mean, we've made strides. We've surpassed so many people's expectations. Um, it's great. Obviously, it is moving a lot quicker here in the UK. Mm-hmm. Uh, and people may not understand that. People may think that it's people. America doesn't isn't about it or we're not doing a good job but it's just harder in america the market is tougher there and i've been i've been working on it but you know we're on the right path top rank just signed sinisa strada so we have two they have two female in their stable on their stables now or two females on their stable now it may not seem like a lot to everybody else but that shows like okay we're moving in the right direction you know so um i think 20 more years oh my god like i can literally look at young women now and i can say there is a future for you in this sport whereas God, if I said it before, I was lying. I didn't really believe it because it it took it it would took more than just being a good fighter to make it in this sport. It still is. There's still plenty of women who are great fighters and don't have the credit they deserve. So I'm hoping that in 20 years, if you're a good fighter, you're you're gonna have the opportunities that the men have. Like these young men have been groomed. Like you see a young Shakur Stevenson in the gym and these guys are taking him under their wings. They never had to work a day in their life. They're like, you just go to the gym, you just train, you're gonna be our Olympian, you're gonna be our millionaire world champion. And I feel like that is gonna be more possible for women too. Well, it's probably not that long ago. It's amazing when you think about it, but this is probably true. It's probably not that long ago that women like you were discouraged from going into yeah. to gyms. We're, weren't really accepted around the, the, the other mailboxes in that gym. Oh, yeah, for sure. Um, I mean, they just allowed... The first world championships was, like, what, 2000... Early 2000s, and then, obviously, leading us into the Olympics 2012. But when I first started, there weren't other women in the gym. People used to think I was just a model in there, like, working out. I'm like, no, I actually fight. I'd ask for sparring. There was no women. The men would say, I don't spar women. And it was just, like, a constant struggle. I would st- I remember standing in the line at weigh-ins one day, and some older man came up to us, and they're like, you guys know there's no future for you in this sport. Like, go to school. Be a doctor. Be a scientist. Um, don't box. Like, really. And honestly... You can't blame them. Like, they were probably, like, right at the time. There was nothing for us. But I just always believed that I would, I would be the exception in some way, that I would change that. And in what way do you think Saturday night's going to have an impact, an all-female card? I mean, I know Katie said explicitly to Eddie Hearn she didn't want something like that for, for herself, interestingly. But Why? Either, well, I, th- I think she, because she just, I think her view is she just wanted to be treated the same, always the same. Okay. But this is a unique event. Eventually, but you can't just go from the inequality that exists to completely equal and the same. Yeah. Like, there is a bridge to get there, right? And, and little victories like this and iconic moments like this are helping to close that gap of inequality. They're important. So um, it's just kind of naive to think that we're just going to wake up one day and be equally treated as the men. Like, it's not going to work that way to continue to to like make a statement absolutely and what kind of statement are you going to make on saturday night well um i'm here to show that i am the best in this division one of the best in the world and that i am the most one of the most versatile boxers out there that i can adapt to all different styles that i am very highly skilled and that level that i'm levels above Baumgartner. And uh, like I said, I'm going to take her into an area of a fight that she's never been into. And we'll see how she performs. But I absolutely plan on coming out of that ring with an extra belt in my hip. 
um, and one step closer undisputed. I have no doubts. And then, back to balance, final question. What is what is balance next week, the week after, look like in Colorado? Uh, just back. Honestly, like I said, I'm in the process of renovating my kitchen. So I'm going to go back, hang out with my dogs. Um, you know, my dad's in town, so that's great. He's out there babysitting right now, the pups. And just going to enjoy some nature, enjoy some, some fun house renovation stuff. And we'll see. I, I didn't plan too much for after this fight. You know, it's such a big fight for me. I just... I was like, I'm not going to like plan anything big. I'm just going to really just zone in and focus. And yeah, so we'll see. Well, Matt, with, with Mayer, so engaging, so interesting, and so open to conversation and discuss, discuss, discussion. She's a fascinating interviewee, uh, Michaela Mayer. She's confident. She knows what she is. She knows what she isn't. She has a very clear goal of where she wants to be. She's aware her time as super featherweight is limited, but she wants to to tie up the loose ends, win all the belts, and then move on to get the bigger fights up in weights, maybe up two weights, um, maybe more. So she, she has clear goals. I, I suppose what I did get from her was off-air, a very honest um, approach of the weight challenge five weeks ago, the challenge of making weight, which is getting more difficult, uh, the the weight checks over here very different to, to anything she's ever experienced stateside. That's why she, she came over last time a good 10 days early. That's why she's come over nine, 10 days early again. So it is the same challenge. Normally, she said she would crash weight, very much the the night before on the on the day, that's how she's always done it. So she's having to do it differently. I wonder if that's going to be a positive or a negative. I don't know. I wouldn't say she's weight drained. I would say she's weight challenged, and it's going to be interesting to see if that has any bearing on the fight and her performance. It's, it's a worthwhile discussion point, particularly if she's had to do it twice in five weeks. Um, I don't know if that's going to have any bearing on her performance or not. Um, but it's certainly worth keeping in mind if she if she just looks completely out of sorts from the moment the first bell rings. Um, you would hope that it doesn't have an effect on a fight because on paper this is a terrific matchup. I think this has got the potential probably to be a more exciting and more appealing and more competitive fight than perhaps the main event. Um, but yeah, the issue of weight, we talked about it in depth five weeks ago. Um, and it kind of goes back to when I said at the start, whereas there's, there's, there's often thing when I was talking about Cambosis and Haney, there's often reasons that we don't know about before performances. There's so many things that go on in training camp, so many hurdles that's, that, that suddenly appear and then have to be cleared um, in preparation, so many injury niggles, worries about making weight and what have you that we just never, ever know about. Um, and the, the situation with Michaela Mayer trying to make weight and I go back, and I know I keep saying it, but the fact she's having to do it twice in five weeks, I think if the it wouldn't be such an issue for me or a potential issue if essentially she'd gone back and started again. So if it, instead of it being in five weeks, it had been in 12 weeks. So she could almost, her body would almost act as if she'd had that fight, she'd had that release. There was no pressure for a week or two to be 
kind of making weight, but she will have for the last five weeks. It's the same for everybody on the card, by the way. It's not just Michaela Mayer who's having to endure these kind of problems. But I think for Michaela Mayer, who it's clear for a while that super featherweight has been a struggle for her, that having to do this again five weeks later could play a part in the contest. That's a difficult fight to call, regardless. Mayer on the surface is the more experienced, um, the more complete fighter, I think. Um, Baumgartner is... She When she is in her groove, she looks very impressive indeed. Um, almost flashes of like Roy Jones Jr. in, in, in Baumgartner. Um, whether she will find it difficult, however, to execute what she wants to do against someone as drilled and technically good as Maya is another question. Um, and I think if you're picking Baumgartner in this, you're probably going to pick her to win via stoppage. Um, but you are kind of, I think, reliant on the weight issue proving to be a detrimental factor for Michaela Mayer. Okay, well, I also managed to, to spend some time with Alicia Baumgartner, very self-confident, uh, very much believes in herself. And really, as you'll hear from this interview, feels a sense of destiny that she's always been building towards this moment or moments like these. And you'll also hear that through her father, she's really been designed. She's been built. She's been brought up for these moments. Here's what she had to say. Alicia, this is a big fight. Does it feel any different? How does it feel in fight week for you? Um, th this week, it just feels like another another victory to win, another step forward for women's boxing, for boxing, and for my career. You've been over to the UK a couple of times already. How, how much has that kind of experience over here helped you? A lot. You know, I've been able to adapt to the time change, and, you know, enjoy the UK fans. They love boxing. And so this just feels like my second home, and I feel comfortable and, again, ready for Saturday night. A lot of Americans, particularly in, in, in boxing, a lot of American boxers have, have talked about sort of UK fans and that atmosphere and, and what they bring. What, what have you seen both from watching on the telly but also getting to places like Manchester as you have your last couple of fights? Yeah, you know, I feel like the UK fans are diehard boxing fans. They respect the sport. They respect the fighters. Even though I beat Tyr in her hometown, they still respected what I did that night and, again, gave me props. So, like, they love the sport of boxing, which I think is dope. And it just uplifts the fighters, you know, just to see that these people are coming out um, not only to represent boxing but women's boxing as a whole. And that, over the last couple of years, has just skyrocketed. It's been, a, it's been absolutely amazing to be part of that and to be one of the, the kind of leading figures in, in that. Get, take us inside that experience. Yeah, you know, I've been dreaming of this moment, you know, becoming a world champion. I did that. And next is, you know, unifying the division and making legacy, you know, being a story for the younger generation to look up to. And to be that one of the faces for women's boxing is, is awesome because everybody has different stories, different backgrounds. And if I can motivate one, you can motivate many. So that, that's why I'm here. And you feel that right now we're in the thick of a generation of of women who are who are doing that but but for you when you were 
a kid, I suppose they weren't necessarily there. So, so who were the inspirations for you? You know, my inspiration was, you know, the people in front of me, the people who laid the groundwork and really myself. I told myself at a young age I wanted to be great at something and I stuck, I stuck to that. And, you know, my parents pushed me, my dad pushed work ethic and hard work and that my hard work will pay off one day. Mm -hmm. And from eight years old, now 28, here I am fighting for the unified, uh, unifying the division. So it's, it's been great. I've been at it since, since then. So you wanted to be great at something. Why, why boxing? What was the pull for you for, for this sport? I have a competitive spirit. You know, I started wrestling when I was five and just being able to wrestle a guy and be on the mat that just built the confidence in me as a young girl and so when I stepped into the ring I'm like this is nothing different this is competition this is you know your competitive nature to be the best at something and to be to be a name for yourself and and that's exactly what I did I, I have an under underdog story and I I, um, I fight for those people who necessarily didn't have the light right away who didn't have all the opportunities but had the work ethic to keep moving forward and that's interesting the wrestling side of things because you're kind of known as a boxer and very much a you know an athletic boxer we've not seen I suppose we've not seen that kind of up close and using that Ricky Hatton style or, or whatever from you yeah, no, wrestling has been like a great background, a great tool for boxing. And again, Saturday night, if it gets to an in-close um, section or inside fight, you will see a lot of some some good wrestling um, tactics there that's used. But um, all-around athlete, born athlete, I'm made for this. Could you have done any other sport? Yeah, absolutely. I ran track, um, was going to actually run track for college, and I had to make a choice. It was either boxing or track. Because you know, going to a college sport was a lot and dedicated a lot of time, but so did boxing. And so at that time, I'm like, you know, I've been boxing for a little longer, and I'm like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna choose boxing, and here we are. Boxing is hard. It is so hard. Have there been times through those years that you've ever doubted your decision? Very hard, but never doubted my decision because I knew I was gonna be great. I knew again, I had the faith. I was faith driven to say if I keep working hard, something's gonna come from this. And because I know I have a talent and it's a God given talent, I have to I have to uh, make sure my assignment is done. And it's never done. The work is really never done. So in boxing, you never really complete the game. I suppose that's fair, isn't it? That, that's very fair. Boxing is just how you know it's just a fighting. When you have that fighting um, spirit, you just want to keep going. But sometimes you have to be realistic with yourself and say, okay, what can what can we do now? Where's that mindset come from? Um, it comes from just the the what my dad instilled in me when I was a young young kid, and you know I would say going to church, very faith driven, and just understanding. It's, it's not so much um, about me. It's about um, you know my assignment and what I'm what I'm here to do for God's glory. That's how I, it's, it's more faith based for me. Um, I'm here for a reason. My my steps are ordained. This was supposed to happen. So here we are. You think there's a, there's a fate to it? Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Because um, when you when you hear of Alicia Bumgarden, you're gonna know. Um, that, that that name rings a bell and it tells a story. And it tells a big story about a girl who um, worked very hard to get to the top and had the faith to do so even when she had, you know, trials and tribulations in front of her. She kept going. 
So what is your story then? Because your parents are coming over, mum and dad are coming over to the UK for the first time to watch you fight. First of all, what does that mean to you? It means a lot, you know. I, I was able to actually fly them here. So to be able to, you know, bring my parents and take care of them in a way that I've been wanting to take care of them, it feels good that I'm able to do that, that I'm able to provide for my parents. So they're excited, you know, they haven't seen me fight in, in a long time and for them to come to a country and to see their daughter perform, I'm, they're gonna be in awe. I know they, they're they're excited. So so what is your, oh, that's what I was gonna ask you before, kind of, you've told us about what them being here means to you, but what does your boxing story mean to them generally? You know, I think to them it means that they did a great job as parents. They they know that, um, you know, my dad was was texting me last night and he was just like, you know, I seen it in you as a young kid and I, just, I kept pushing you. I know there was times that you hated me, but I knew there was something great and um, we just kept pushing you and look where we are now. And so I, I you know, applaud my parents for keeping, keeping that um, work ethic in me and, and making sure that I didn't backslide and then I kept moving forward. And I was sort of thinking earlier on about, for, for me as a fan, I can go on Saturday night with my mates and we can, we can be in the moment and we can really enjoy that and we can say we're part of something and this is something special and we're just going to go and enjoy it. How, how Can you do that at all? Given you've got to go and do a job, you've got to be professional. Can you be in the moment and actually soak it in and enjoy it? Yeah, absolutely. I think um, being here, I've been very anxious just getting over. I'm like, I need to get there. I need to be there, be in my element. And yeah, enjoying the moment and really taking in and soaking in um, the blessings that come with the sport and the things and the accomplishments that I have been able to receive. Um, yeah, living in the moment is important. You're able to reflect. And I, I always reflect on my, on my life. And um, so I've been able just reflecting and you know, come closer to fight night, it's gonna be even better. So you're kind of taking stock of what you've been through, the hard work that you've put in, all the, the moments that have, have got, you're, you're aware of, of, of where you've been, but you're aware of what a big opportunity this is. Very aware, yep, very aware of where I started, where I, where I came, and where I'm going. And because of that, I'm able to just grasp the moment understand my assignment, understand why I'm here, and take full charge of that, grab a hold of it, not just some of it, but the whole thing. And when you do that, you're able to experience a bigger experience. That's interesting, where you're going, because it kind of feels like you're just getting started. I mean, the Terry Harper performance in 21 was a, that was your breakout moment, really. Did, last time out, did you, did you feel you got an, an opportunity to build on that? How would you read the, the performance, the fight against Matisse? Yeah, it was a building performance. Um, you know, boxing is all about building. You're not always going to get the knockout. And for my mentality, I can't go in there like, oh, I'm getting the knockout because the knockout doesn't always come. Let me do what I'm best at. Let me win and get that win, yeah. however that looks like. And that's exactly what I did. Boxing fans are very critical. Boxing fans are very opinionated, and that's fine. But at the end of the day, I know what I'm doing. I'm a professional at my sport. I'm a professional at what I do. And that's what we did. Boxing fans are, aren't they? I mean, they are the greatest sports fans, but they're the harshest critics too. How do you deal with both sides of that? I laugh, it's, it's very comical. You know, if I have time, I'll, I'll write to people. Um, 
But it, it's, it's just a good laugh. It's, it's just an opinion. And one thing about boxing, you can prove the doubters wrong. And when you do, that's a, it's the sweetest feeling ever. That performance against Matiti, uh, you, you won, defended your belts, you won it pretty much every, every round, every moment. You did, I think that was 10 rounds for the first time. What, what, what did that feel like? What does that give you coming into this one? Again, it gives me experience. I think every fight is telling. It, it sets up for your next fight. So if that fight told me, if the first fight told me I can knock somebody out in the fourth round, the second fight told me I can go the distance, what does this third fight tell you? It tells you she can do both, you know? And I would say that that fight, I pitched a shutout. You know, that was my first time that I won every round. And I was, I was excited. At first, I'm like, dang, I didn't get the knockout. But when I looked at it, you know, I boxed. I boxed beautifully. And... Um, I did what I wanted to do. And that's one thing about boxing. You can do what you want to do when you're experienced. Some of those fans are saying, some of the media are, are saying that this is a step up. Maybe some are saying it's a big step up. How, how do you view the task in hand? How, how would you answer that? I would say that this fight is where it's supposed to be. You, people have to understand that um, I've been in this sport longer than Michaela. I've been grinding longer than Michaela. And it's just like a track meet, right? You can you can run against your district, but when you go to state, those people are still on the same level and maybe even faster than you. Then you see who's the best. So it doesn't matter, um, you know, her platform or where she's been. We, we're meeting at the same pivotal moment right here. And I would say I'm better than her at that pivotal moment, at this pivotal moment in my career. I suppose she might say, She's had that really hard fight with Amadouche. You can read that in different ways. You can say she took too many shots. You can say she, she, there was a gut check, I suppose, is, is what they'd say. And people would say, you haven't had that yet. Do, do you know if you've got that in you? Absolutely. Again, fights are set up the way they're supposed to be set up. I would have never fought Hamadouche like Michaela because this sport is hit and not get hit. And again, she got hit with too many punches. We want to leave with a clean face. And um, that's important, again, even for your health. And so when you're an experienced fighter, you understand how to fight those type of fighters. And so, again, I'm seasoned for everything. If I'm not getting in in a fight, I'm getting in in sparring. Believe that. And that's an interesting point, because that's something that, that Matt and I um, on the podcast always talk about, is you know we want fighters to, to do well, to make money, and to get out nice and healthy. You were at Katie Taylor in New York um, against Amanda Serrano, which was a sensational fight. The Boxing News headline the next week said fight of the century with a little nod to, to Ali against Fraser One and it, way back when. So that's kind of what we're talking about. Do you, do you want to be in, in one of those, those hard fights, really? Um, or do, do you just sense that you never need to be? You know, it's only hard if you make it hard. Again, I think when you're a prepared fighter, when you understand the fighter in front of you, you have to do what's what you're best at, you know what I mean? And every fight is gonna be a challenge, don't get me wrong, this fight is a challenge come Saturday night, but I understand what this, ta what this challenge brings and what I'm great at, and that's what I'm going to put my foot forward with. So I'm getting the feeling that, or the sense that maybe you don't think Mayor necessarily has the, the kind of attributes to draw that out of you. Um, you know, she, she is definitely going to draw it out. Because one thing about this fight is um, because there's animosity there, because she thinks she's better than me, um, I have this, this different type of hunger. Like, you're going to see this different animal, and, yeah, she's going to bring the best out of me. So 
I would say so. So the, 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 that's real. All of that that stuff between you and he, you and she is not. It's not a, a, a. It's not something you're looking for motivation. It's just there. It's just there. Yeah. I just believe this girl. Um, I've been wanting to fight her since the amateurs. I literally had my mind set on this girl. I need to fight that girl. Everybody thinks she's good. What was special about her? Never got the chance, but the, but again, timing is everything, and I believe, and now we're in the pro world. When she turned pro, when I was already a pro, I'm like, this is perfect. I'm going to get that fight, and here we are. So uh, really, a bit like um, Holyfield and Tyson, who almost seemed like they were on a collision course. In your mind, you, you, you were always looking... You were always looking forward. Have you, have you been sort of, are you a fight watcher? Have you been studying her? You know, she's been on the platform. She's been given the platform to be seen. So I've been able to watch her progress um, after her turning pro. And I'm like, yeah, I know everything I'm supposed to do. Again, I didn't have the, the light. I've been working in the shadows and the dark. And that's totally fine with me. But when you step out into those lights, you will see a, a, a well-seasoned fighter. And you're, you're, I'm going to shock a lot of people. Mindset. Do you, do you have to, uh, I've spoken to a lot of male fighters, you talk about getting into the zone and, and almost having to go to quite a nasty place mentally just to, to, to be in the moment as a, as a fighter. Do you, do you need to do that at all? Um, no, it's, it just naturally comes. So I'm naturally in my zone. You know, the animosity is real. So, I mean, like, I don't have to get myself even more worked up because it's already there. And so it's just performing at this time. Nerves at all? Nerves? I wouldn't say nerves. I was just, I would just say excitement because I'm going to shock the world. I, I suppose it, the will, you know, you've had a, a taste of the British crowd, but... It's going to be something else on, on Saturday night. That place holds 19,000. It's going to be busy. It's going to be raucous. It's going to be interesting. How do, how do you feel about all of that? How do you think you're going to feel about all of that on the night? You know, this again, I believe in um, timing and being at the right place at the right time. I was at the Katie Taylor fight at the right place at the right time, also doing commentary and just being in that atmosphere. I, I, seen, I seen what I was going to be stepping into next. I knew I was going to be in that type of atmosphere sooner or later, and it came quicker than what I thought. And so Saturday night, I will be in that moment in in a stadium that's full of boxing-hungry fans. And, again, it's going to be electrifying. Final couple of questions then. You, you're talking about where you're going to be on the weekend, mentally and physically, where you're going in terms of your career. What about women's boxing? The, 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 the rise has been meteoric, really. Courtesy of a you know, double handful, maybe, of, of, of good quality elite fighters. How do you visualize it? Say when you're done and dusted and you're, you can sit back and enjoy the, the sport from a different perspective. How, how is it going to be, say, in 10 years' time, in 20 years' time? What do you think? It's going to be big. It's going to be talked about. When, again, when you mention uh, Alicia Baumgartner, Clarissa Shields, a Katie Taylor, you will understand that the sport of boxing has grown so much and that women are being a part of boxing, not just separate from gender, but boxing. And so you'll be able to talk about boxing while mentioning women. Like that women's card in the UK was amazing. Those knockouts were amazing, you know what I'm saying? I think, you know, as the sport grows, people want to see knockouts. It's exciting, right? And when women can do it, it's even more exciting. And that keeps the buzz in people's ears, so. So? What can we expect then on Saturday night? You will expect 
an exciting fight. You you will see a hungry fighter who's been chained up and who's been ready to be on the prowl. And with that comes comes a danger. So you'll see a knockout, something crazy. Good luck. Thank you. Fascinating speaking to her, Matt. Almost a bit like Tiger Woods and his his father Earl, very much like Richard Williams and and his his multi award winning championship winning daughters Serena and Venus uh, in the tennis world. You almost get the sense that Baumgartner has been given a similar career path that she's been brought up and brought along very much with these moments and these boxing nights in mind. Although she said in that interview, she perhaps could have done any sport. Wrestling was something that she was proficient at as well. She just feels this is this is her time. This is her sport. These are her moments. And on the weekend, it's all going to come to bear. She talks a great game. Yeah, I remember that interview. Um, yeah, she talks a great game. Um, you said earlier that you were going to stick with your prediction for Shields and Marshall. Does that mean you're going to go against your original prediction, which memory serves me correctly, you were going for Mayer yeah. to win this one? Yeah. So do, are you about to tell me that you're going for Baumgartner? I'm, I'm sticking with Mayer just but with deep reservations and also looking at the betting, Baumgartner's two to one against. Mayer's sort of four to 11, nearly one to three on. I think that's too lopsided. I can understand why it is the way it is. Mayer should be favourite. She's the proven pedigree fighter and she's been doing it in the amateurs as well as in the professional ranks as well. So it is a jump up from Baumgartner, who's really properly got to prove herself over 10 rounds. She's really got to properly prove herself at this level, although we've seen flashes, a bit like Marshall, we've seen flashes of brilliance in her, haven't we? The spectacular knockout of, of Terry Harper, which looks even better now, what we've seen from Harper in the last couple of weeks. So she's she might have what Hugh McIlvany has described as the stuff before uh, to me. She looks like she might have that, and I think she's too big in the betting. But I also think we got revealed in that interview that she she's expecting the Amadouche version of Michaela Mayer. She's putting a lot of, of her interpretation in stock in that version of Mayer. And as Mayer told us in the, the interview with her, she did that because she and Coach Al recognised that Amadouche can't fight on the back foot. So what do you do? Pressure, pressure, pressure. And that's why they fought on that. And that's why she took too many shots. But it was a means to an end. I don't think we'll see the same version of Mayer, even although she's suggesting to us in the interview that that's what we'll see in the second half of the fight when she's built the platform to do that. But I think before then, we get a boxing match. And anyone who thinks Mayer can't win a boxing match, I don't think they're reading this fight correctly. Mayer can win the boxing match and she can win a scrap. I just don't think... She wants to put herself in a position where she's walking onto shots. And I think Baumgartner, to look at her best, is a natural counterpuncher. And I don't think Mayer's going to set the fight up in that way for Baumgartner to look as good as she did it against Harper. Now, that's not to say she can't and won't, because I, 
as I reiterate, I think she's got something potentially special in her, but we've only seen flashes of it. Are we going to see it on the weekend? Maybe. I'm just going to say no and I'll go for Mayor, Mayor on point. I went for, I mean, I went for Mayor um, on points to win, I think, when but both on the podcast that never was and in the Boxing News preview. Um, and we can speculate about what's happened in the last five weeks. We can ask them about what's happened in the last five weeks. But unless we've been there 24-7 for the last five weeks, we don't know if there is anything that is going to have occurred to change my point of view on it. So my point of view remains the same. I think Mayer is the more complete fighter. I think she's had um, more experience um, at this level. And I think she's going to win on points. But like you, it's not going to be the shock of the century if Baumgartner just announces herself as a potential superstar with a devastating victory. But for me... Shields on points, Mayor on points. Okay, and let's finish with this idea, Matt. Because given what we we talked about in the main pod, what we talked about in last week's pod, surrounding all the the issues in and around uh, Conor Ben's failed test, let's just leave it with this. I think it's fair to say the happiest and most joyous I we've been on this pod was the podcast we did in reaction to Katie Taylor against Amanda Serrano. I, I, I probably haven't enjoyed a fight or felt about a fight in an event as I did in the wake of that one. That's how I want to feel about boxing. And that's how boxing can make us feel. Maybe this weekend will do it for us. Let's not forget that that's what boxing can make us feel like. Let's not forget that. We can't, we we can't forget that. And hopefully we will get a sense of that again at the weekend. But at the same time, what we can't do is allow it to paper over the problems that we've encountered. And too often that happens. Something will come along, another story, another fight that makes you forget about all the indiscretions in the past still very, very important that we get to the bottom of the Conor Ben issue and we ask some serious questions about why that occurred and the manner that it occurred. Otherwise, it will happen again in a few months' time and we'll be back at square one and we can't keep going back to square one. We can't. But, yes, let's hope that... These weekend's fights remind us why the sport is worth fighting for. And it's because of those emotions and feelings that it engenders. It's because of the way that fights like Taylor Serrano can make us feel. And we can give endless examples over the course of the last six months, let alone six years. It's because of the way it makes you and I, Matt and I, you and I, all of us. It's the way it makes us feel about the sport and the way in which we love and respect the fighters. It's because of all of that that it's so important that the fighters themselves and the people around the sport, whether you're Eddie Hearn, Callis Ireland, 
it's because of all of those feelings that we share that it's important that they respect the sport. That's the most important thing of all to remember. Speak again next week. Bye for now. Thank you.